Welcome to SciTech Culture with Steve Kern and Ben Warner, where we examine science, technology, and culture in the 21st century. Visit our website at SciTechCulture.com. So I feel like, um, you know, uh, looking at this year's uh, potential array of um, discussion topics that we might be focusing on a particular thing this year being AI. And um, I I don't know if you, because we've already started to touch on it, Steve, but it, you know, like obviously canvassing for topics each week. And this, there was just seemed to be like an avalanche of it um, recently. And I don't think it's going to stop anytime soon. And it'll just be, I mean, and we've got a few that we're going to go through in a minute, but um, the, Oh, it's just it just almost seems like a frenzy of um you know like oh we got a this is the latest talking point you know for the media and uh, how to get it out there and um and all that stuff it's 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 almost nuts well that's what ai is all about isn't it and that's what it, that's what feeds and news feeds are all about now flooding and talking about one thing and one thing only and one of those one things cuz depends what's in your feed or who you are i should say determines what you'll see but one of those one things you'll see is ai yes absolutely and it is big and it is coming and it is here (laughs) absolutely all right we do have a slight reprieve from ai although it does there was there was a slight ai angle on this first story which was and i wanted to bring this up only because we recently talked about the japanese loon lander but this um uh intuitive machines loon lander that um did eventually touch down um uh on the moon um was another i think interesting story to re- uh, refer back to that these things are happening what i thought was interesting with this story was the was the private public um uh sort of angle to it so it's a private lander that successfully landed on the moon i believe it was the first one from what i was understanding in terms first of that ever in fact it's the first ever non-government mission However, it does have a lot of payload from NASA on it in terms of, um, <laughs> um, you know, like uh, monitoring equipment and whatnot. And obviously, um, there's a component of this where <clears throat> it would seem that there's a lot more gear up for space exploration. So, you know, they can send these um, lunar landers out there without, you know, risking risking people. Or, or even if it's not about risk, it's not wasting unnecessary resources in order to gather more data etc before they actually start launching people back there um to do more yeah look this is this is truly incredible one it underpins how on earth did they get to space or even land humans on the moon safely in the 1960s that itself is incredible but what is interesting this is a non-government uh mission of course, it does contain uh, NASA's uh, best technology. But that aside, it's a Falcon 9X that gets them into space. And then it's the intuitive uh, lander itself that comes down. So two private companies there. It goes to show that, I guess, access to space is now commercial. It's no longer the domain purely of government. So very interesting. And I thought the most amazing thing was uh, the, uh, the planned, I think, descent to the lunar surface uh, had a malfunction and they used an AI and laser navigation tool that was meant to only be experimental to uh, bring the craft down. That is shows you what good AI can be used for and how amazing it can be. 
it also shows how amazing Neil Armstrong must have been to land. <laughs> Absolutely. And there's the connection, the um, the AI connection. So we'll we'll move on to our um uh, uh our slew of topics in relation to that. Um <clears throat> as I said, there was a lot of um interesting stories um to cover. The first one I wanted to touch on, which I only heard about this morning, um, was about um Reddit striking a sixty million dollar deal allowing Google to train AI models on its posts. Um, obviously there's a lot in there, um, in terms of, um, Google having an interest in sucking up new data, but there's also two points that I thought was interesting in this was the idea that I know myself that in addition to say a regular Google search, if you just add the word Reddit to the end of it, you get the Reddit posts associated with that topic, which might actually yield, um, some more interesting um, information and discussion around the particular topic that you're looking at, depending on you know what thread you end up on. But then the other aspect to it is that if that's what they're looking at, it feels like a sixty million dollar deal. Um, I'm, I think there's, um, it's not just, it might be each year or whatever. I'm, I didn't actually look into the detail, but that almost seems like a pretty cheap price for a company like Google to harvest that type of information out of uh, out of Reddit. Oh, I would say so. I mean, it's amazing, you know, in, in the couple of years since we've seen ChatGPT come to the, the fore, you know, already I think these companies and Google especially, which effectively has a, a mortgage on the internet as it is through its search engine, is already looking for new data, which is the, the, the point you made to kick off with. So the difference is, is that, uh, Reddit self-generates data. There's a post, and basically, the level of interest in that post is is what creates, I guess, uh, the commentary and the dialogue that exists online, and also the levels of interest. and And Reddit, you know, it basically influences a lot of Google searches. I'm sure, and I know this from gaming. If you ever look for a particular, you know, gaming solution or hack you know, you'll see Reddit posts uh, on that as well. So there's no question that for, for Google, this may in some ways assist with its predictive uh, AI function rather than uh, looking merely back at historical search uh, sort of uh, history. So very interesting, but I agree with you. It seems ultimately uh, for what it might produce, it seems very cheap. <laughs> Google's got a bit more money than that for sure. Um, <clears throat> speaking of money, um, obviously uh, we um, Nvidia and its chips. I, I think we touched on it last week, but um, uh, what was uh, obviously interesting here was um, this uh, massive revenue, uh, or the record, uh, the announcement of this uh, massive boost in its uh, revenue, up two hundred and fifty-six percent over the prior year on the basic you know, understanding that they're going to be heavily getting into the AI space and called more upon, you know, to develop those um, GPU chips that were, um, you know, previously, you know, the, you know, for games and stuff. And now they're going to go towards AI almost to the point where now it's pushing um, uh, the company's value to the point of, you know, being on the levels of like Microsoft and Apple, etc. And I just, I mean, good for them. Like the, that's the market recognizing the, um, the commentary around the supposed importance of AI, I guess, for lack of a better term, but um, <clears throat> it also kind of um, it's a it's a a, a financial marker of um, where the discussion is going on this. And you know, if they if I guess they're whether they're lucky, they're in the right place at the right time with just happening to have the right chips. 
good for them but um you know that this is going to like really make them quite significant um if if the progress goes this way oh yes oh it's huge but i i think you know you have to look at the chip market in perspective it's it's not easy or cheap to make chips certainly at the scale that you'd need to be profitable so uh you know, and, and Intel's the story on this. You know, they're a company that for 20 years easily had the ascendancy um, and one wrong turn and you can see how much effort and at what expense Intel are having to go to now to play catch up. So they've gone from being top to just an also ran within a handful of years. So NVIDIA, you know, used to make what we used to think were just, you know, graphics chips gpus whatever you know good for games you know etc etc but that wasn't really what was important you know in your pc you know was you know the hardcore high gigahertz chip you know but we've found differently now thanks to bitcoin and now thanks to ai that the architecture in those gpus allows far more uh i guess broader uh control of a chip and more processing bandwidth and so that's they happen to be making them and they're making them better than anyone else and now everyone wants them and that's just the way it goes makes me wonder about just chip manufacture in general and like you know the whole i mean how complicated and difficult it is um like to get foundries up and up and running and and whatnot and i realize that obviously in america they're um there's been quite a bit of investment in getting, um, and Intel's been the beneficiary of it in terms of getting um, foundries up and running. But it just almost seems um, insane the level of um, uh, chip manufacturer production that we're about to, um, you know, enter into um, and whether or not it can all keep up. Well, this is precisely right. So there's nothing super amazing about GPUs. We've had them for years and years and years, and, and there's, you know, NVIDIA makes very good ones, just as Intel used to make, you know, the, the best chips. And But the thing is to get there, to get to that point in the market where you can create volume at an economical price is, is, is the killer. And that takes a huge amount of investment. However, chips are now seen to be so important to our future and we've seen the supply chain shocks during COVID that that's why the US government now is is looking at that investment with Intel uh, to uh, bring that manufacturing back to the States. So, you know, you, you can see how important we think chips are. Indeed, we know uh, with the shortage that happened during COVID, people couldn't get cars, people couldn't get appliances, people couldn't get things that, you know, we take for granted. But these days, whether they need them or not, all have a chip in them. It's a bit like striking oil, really, isn't it? Like uh, that's kind of the importance that they're getting to. That's right. They they are the oil. Of the 21st century. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Um, just finally, and this is one I wanted to expand on a little bit too, uh, was Sora, a new generative AI tool that can transform video production. Essentially, I, you know, I keep calling it video GPT for lack of a better word. You know, um, look, it's impressive. You know, you you type in some text and then it can punch out a pretty, you know, realistic high res 4K video of whatever you want. Obviously, it still needs um, a bit of work, um, and I've watched some videos where it's you know the video has been picked apart a bit, where it's um, you know where the gaps in the videos are, etc. 
But what I thought was interesting was also the um, inevitable response to it. So a bit like what happened with ChatGPT and this fear that um, no one was going to, you know, no professional was going to be able to write again because, you know, uh, anyone could just type in something and get what they wanted. Obviously, um, video production people, probably film production people, etc., um, have mentioned concerns around this only because there's a suggestion that you don't need them anymore to actually produce the videos which i thought was interesting because you know if you want new stuff you still need those people to um actually produce it because sora is only gonna um you know generate videos based on what's already out there just like chat gpt does it with text so um i'm uh, I mean, and the other thing is just like the uh, traditional application of it. Maybe there's like some usage cases in there, um, but um, I just thought it was um, a bit crazy. And then obviously, you don't even open the can of worms around um, you know how this might supercharge things like deep fakes and um, and whatnot um, in terms of um, you know in terms of its application. And then it comes back down to the question of what is the application um, in terms of this. So um, a lot of that was swirling around in my mind when I was watching it. Um, I kind of like the idea that, you know, oh, yeah, I can just write a couple of lines of text and get a video rather than having to go outside and actually film something. But at the same time, um, it might be a little bit overblown in that sense. <coughs> yeah, pardon me. I I can't disagree with you, Ben. I, for me, <coughs> it, it falls exactly in the chat GPT realm where it's great. You know, I'm going to be making videos now every time I think a sentence. But, but, you know, what then? How am I going to use it? Look, the deep fake situation is already up and running. If this means that it can be automated and happen a bit more quickly, that's really hardly any concern of mine. <laughs> but but you're right. It's I, I'm never sure with a lot of the AI hype whether we're just looking at something we should be amazed at and Sora is amazing like the, the fact that it can do that is is amazing there's there's no question of that but what is its actual value and that that would be my question i i suspect that what it will allow advertising to do is make 6 second ads and flood your youtube and tiktoks and facebook with really short advertising that visually looks stimulating enough to get you through it and you know because that's the that's where the money is so i think personally i think humans have always struggled to make video for the social platforms because of the strange aspect ratio and because the format is usually 5 to 6 seconds so i think probably that's where its niche is and the fact is it'd just be deep fakery for sales hmm, absolutely i did want to touch on to like this hysteria over like i don't know say what it would do like to say hollywood for instance and i, I thought it was hilarious like this kind of um, example story where someone could just write in there you know give me the latest um, marvel film with um you know captain america and iron man and whatever heroes i choose to be in there and it'll create an avengers film um, and, um, you know, oh, but, you know, it won't be a new film. And then, like, the joke was, well, is it all Marvel films are the same anyway when they're produced by humans? Um, so, <laughs> um, and so, it, you know, it's 
and it's ironic that you know Hollywood's doing that. Like they're effectively doing what Sora's doing, just with people. You know, like these days they've left well behind this idea of um, generating new content. Um, so, what's the worry in that respect? <laughs> <laughs> oh, I couldn't agree with you more on that. I, you know, if all you're going to do is rehash the past and then even start making remaking movies from 20 years ago as if they're new, which we've seen in a number of franchises where they've just borrowed the script from the original, uh, you know, it really does cause you to question. However, if you want to flip this, then maybe that will be the thing. If, if Sora or Sora-like applications can make a Hollywood film the same as they are making them today, then surely that means that there's a role for humans to make new, more creative and more exciting uh, offers that hopefully will uh, excite people to go and see them in the cinema. Mm, Absolutely, absolutely. All right, Steve, we might wrap it up there. A lot to digest there. We sort of uh, rammed through uh, a few topics there. Um, And, yeah, like I said at the beginning, I think uh, we're going to be talking a lot more about this this year because um, it just seems to be going from strength to strength, this news item. Oh, absolutely. It'll be AI and probably Trump. Yeah. (laughs) Oh, yeah. Well, we'll, maybe we'll get to that later in the year. (laughs) What about an AI version of Trump? Oh, yeah. Don't get me started. Crossover right there. (laughs) Alrighty. So that's it for this episode. Um, We'll catch you next time.